I'm so glad you have a podium because I was just explaining to Pastor Mark here that I have this ridiculously large Bible. Wonderful. Thank you. That'll be, that, we'll make this work. We'll make this work. It's going to be good. All right. So I have a travel Bible, but I just really like this Bible, but it weighs six pounds. So I've decided, the, and it needs two hands to hold it, right? One, look, I'm just set up now. I think I should just preach all afternoon now. Look, so I've realized the only way to, to travel with a Bible of this size internationally is to get a bag for it, right? Because us ladies, we love bags, don't we? So I've discovered you can get these little rolling bags that go and they fit under the airplane seats. And then you never have to worry because, you know, you may have noticed I am five foot. Now, I have heels on today, so I'm feeling exceptionally large. But there's nothing more irritating for me than traveling than having lug luggage that is bigger than I am. Because, you know, it's like you get on the plane and then you've got to figure out how to get that huge bag above your head like some, you know, sumo wrestler Olympic athlete. And then it falls out and it hits people on the head. And if you've got a six-pound Bible, that can cause some serious healing opportunities, right? So uh, there we are. So thank, thank you very much to have a podium to put this on. Now, usually, um, I don't know if Mark's mentioned this, but I live in America. Don't hate me for it, okay? That's, I'm just where the Lord told me to be, okay? Um, but when I speak in America, it's kind of funny because I have to speak in an American, well, not an American accent, but you know when you live in another country, if you start asking people where the toilets are, I mean, you just, you're going to get questioned all the time. So you have to use the lingo while being in the land, right? But I love it because when I come back here, my Essex accent comes out and everyone can understand me just perfectly. No translation is needed, right? Yeah. Praise God. So I can use all of my English language and I'm not going to have any screwed up faces over it. I mean, I have gotten myself in so much trouble in America from saying words. Apparently, they do speak a form of English, but it's not the same. And there are some words which they don't use. Some words which have gotten me into some serious trouble. And um, I'm not going to tell you what they are in case you go over there and you start using them. All I can say is that rubbers and erasers are not the same thing. You can Google that what that means. But as I was starting to think about what am I going to share when, I, when I'm here at, at Faith Life, I started thinking about just the name of the church, Faith Life. I go to a lot of churches and um, hopefully most of them are alive. Right? That's always a good, a good start when people are alert and they're looking at you. Um, some of the churches we go to, people are sleeping. You know, that happens sometimes in deep meditation before the Lord. But faith life, I started thinking and meditating about the name faith life. And you know, the Lord said to me, he said, go to um, Hebrews chapter 12. All right? Because there are many of us that we understand that, that Jesus is the author of our faith, but he's more than just the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith too. So what does it mean, not only to live in faith, but to finish in faith? Amen? So that's what we're going to look at today. In Hebrews chapter 12, you have your Bible with you. If you don't, you probably have a smartphone, which means you have a Bible available to you, right? I have like 12 different translations on my phone. I love it. Okay, so we're going to look here. And I'm going to read. This is the modern English version, so you might not be exactly the same in your one. But it says in verse 2, actually let's start in verse 1 because it's just that good. Therefore, since we are encompassed with a great cloud of witnesses, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a great cloud of witnesses. Right? You're part of a cloud of witnesses. Did you know that? You're all witnesses today. I mean, if we took you into a court of law, you'd be witness to the crime that we are speaking the gospel today. Amen? 
So you're part of that family. It says, who, who with, encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the, and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance. Say to your neighbor, endurance. endurance. No one really likes that, do they? I mean, if you're watching the Olympics, in the sprint, like 100 meters, a lot more entertaining than the really long marathons that go on forever. And you see, most people I find, most Christians, they really want to see the miraculous power of God in their life today, but they want to microwave their miracle, right? They want it now. They don't want to wait for anything. And endurance, that's not really like a fridge magnet kind of scripture, is it? Oh, patience, it's having its perfect work in me. I'm going to run the race of endurance. Yes and amen. Right? That's not very exciting. It seems like it's going to go on for a long time, doesn't it? And it's kind of boring. But look at this. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us look to Jesus. And I love what Mark was saying earlier. Let us look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What do you think the joy was that Jesus was thinking about when he was on the cross? It was you. You were the joy that he was thinking about when he was on the cross. You were the joy that was set before him when he was being whipped, when he was being nailed to the cross, when he was dying. You were the joy. You were the person that he had on his mind. Just think about that for a minute. Man, he, he was so enamored with you and all that God had created you to be and all the plans and the purposes and the passion and the person that you were going to be before you were even born, before your parents had even thought about you, you weren't even a thought in the, in the stratosphere, you were on Jesus' mind when he was crucified. Just think about that for a minute. That joy in itself was what took him and enabled him says, to endure the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Now, I like it how it says this in the Amplified. My husband calls it Amplified, the women's Bible, because it has more words. <laughs> All right? It says, in the, in the same passage in the, in the Amplified here, it says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. So looking away from every other distraction that's in our lives to focus in our eyes on Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. He's the author of our faith, right? He's the very source of where faith comes from. Giving the first incentive for our um, belief and also its finisher. He's also the finisher of faith. He didn't just start the thing and leave it rolling and, you know, have nothing else to do with it. He finishes our faith also. Bringing it to maturity and perfection, he, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despised and ignoring the shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, this is, this is, this is fascinating. Look in verse 3. It says, Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You know, there are a lot of people that start out believing God for something, but they don't finish in believing God for something because at some point they've become discouraged. In some translations it says they've given up. In the modern English version, it says, lest you become weary and your hearts give up. You know, in the scriptures it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you've been believing God for something, maybe you know the word of God. You know that it's God's will to heal. You know that God loves you. You know that you have the victory in Christ above all things. You know that no weapon formed against you can prosper because it says it in the word, right? 
But maybe you're in that place where you're just feeling, hang on a second, well, why aren't I being victorious in my life? I'm, I, want a micro, I want my miracle now, right? I don't want it next week or next year. I want to microwave my miracle, and I want to have it in this moment, and I don't want to do the endurance thing, right? Anyone ever had an absolute fit at God, right? An absolute paddy about something? Got your knickers in a twist? I can say that here. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone understands what I mean, okay? In American, they say panties in a wad. Doesn't have the same effect, I don't think. I don't think I want to wad my panties. But anyway, you know, sometimes we just find ourselves becoming weary. Mark mentioned about our daughter Hannah. You know, she was um, three years old and diagnosed with a condition called eosinophilic enteropathy, which sounds very impressive. I am convinced that doctors give things really scary names to intimidate us. All right? Makes them seem powerful and important. Listen, I was a nurse for years, okay? So I'm, I'm, uh, I love doctors and I love nurses, and without them, half the body of Christ would be dead, okay? So we're not going to have a doctors and nurses. But you know what? They, in the medicine, they can only report the facts of what they can see. They only report what they can measure in the five senses, what they can measure from a blood test. What they don't take into account is faith. And, you know, faith supersedes everything that we can feel in our five senses, in Romans, it says, the just shall live. How many of you want to live today? Right? No, come on, sound alive. How many of you want to live today? Amen? All right? We're talking about really living, about living an abundant life, a life that's full of vitality and health and, yes, prosperity. It's part of the gospel too. Okay? And living in everything that God has for us. But, you know, that scripture that says the just shall live, that's talking about really living. It says the just shall live by faith. Right? So if we really want to enter into everything that Jesus has for us, it's learning not just to start out in faith, but to finish in faith, to stay in that place of faith, even when our heart feels like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. It's, it's, it's staying in faith even when we're tempted to become weary and faint of heart. So when Hannah was three years old, she was, well, she was diagnosed with a condition before them, but at three years old she was um, she was sent home from the hospital to die with a week to live. Now, that is not news that parents want to hear, right? It's different when you're sick yourself, you've got something going on in your own body, you know, you can suck it up and get on with it, right? But when it's your child, when it's your infant, there is something that it, it just makes you feel so utterly, utterly helpless. Like you would trade places with them in a heartbeat if you could. And so, you know, we'd been believers, we'd been, been Christians, we'd been assistant pastors of a church for years and years, right? We loved the Lord, he loved us, it was all good. Um, we, you know, we, we spoke in tongues, you know, we flowed in the spiritual gifts, you know, of course we prayed for our child, of course we did. First thing we did, right? But, but here's the thing, we did not understand God's will. You understand? This is extremely important because faith can only operate where the will of God is known. If we don't really know what God's character and God's nature is, we're going to have some preconceived ideas about what God has and can and will do for us. We're going to approach God unlike, um, it's Flick, wasn't it? It was up here. Unlike, see, I'm learning. I'm learning names one at a time, okay? She was up there. She's telling us that, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God that we are adopted into a royal family, that we, are, that we have a blessing and an anointing and a calling on our life that is way bigger than we realize. When we start to approach God with that attitude as a son and a daughter of the Most High God, you know what? All of the treasures of the kingdom of heaven are ours, every single one of them. 
But most oftentimes, we approach God just crawling into the throne room in, with a preconceived idea of who God is and what he's going to do for us. Because we've allowed those ideas to be formed by our experience in the world, by our five senses, by what the things that the doctors can measure, right? So, you know, when the doctor comes to us and says, well, your child's going to die, there's naturally a part of your heart that can be ripped with fear. Isn't that a normal response? It's not like, oh, praise hallelujah, right? I've been diagnosed with a terminal condition. There is fear that can strike, uh, strike in our hearts. And the reason that is is because we are placing those natural elements of more importance, more value than our faith. That's it. Because if we were, and nobody does this perfectly. I mean, come on now, right? We're, we're human. We're living in a human world. Faith is a journey. But, you know, we can grow in these things. We can grow in our understanding of these things. But when we understand that not only is Jesus the author of our, of our faith, he is the finisher of our faith also, what we do is we take our relationship with God and we elevate it to a higher level than how we feel about things, than what the natural circumstances say. So next time we get a negative report and the doctor, you know, the scans come back or the bank balance looks like it's got negative numbers in it or you're getting those red letters through the post and it looks like you don't have enough resources to do everything that God's called you to do, whatever it is, when it looks like the circumstances are terrible, what we do with our understanding, because we've placed God of a higher value than our feelings, is we'll stop terror entering our hearts. Because we're saying, you know what? Just hold that thought. Hold that thought for a minute. I hear what you're saying. I understand. But I have another report, right? I have a second opinion. And so, you see, when Hannah was, was diagnosed, like I said, we were believers. We, we love God. Um, we went to a church that believed good God could heal if he wanted to because he's, he's all-powerful. But we also had a misconception that God was all-controlling. And the church called that sovereign. You heard that? Yeah. The Lord is sovereign, right? He is sovereign, right? But not in the way that many people in the church today interpret that word to mean. You know, the word sovereign wasn't actually in the original text, right? It, it comes from a word that means all-powerful. Yes, God is all-powerful. He is everywhere. He's omnipotent. He has all the power in, in, in all the world. He's all-powerful. Amen? We can agree on that, right? Yeah. But that is not the same as all-controlling. And here's the thing. God in the garden, he gave power and dominion to Adam and Eve. Do you remember that? He said, go out and take all your authority and subdue the land. Multiply in it. Amen? Take dominion. That word subdue and take dominion, it means to rule and reign like a magistrate does in a court of law. He is all power in heaven and earth, and I'm giving it to you, mankind. Now go away and use it over everything in this world. And so even though God is all powerful, he has given some of his control to mankind. What did Adam do with that control and authority? Gave it away, right? Duh! Okay, he was the original duh cycle, right? The first one right there. Oh, hang on a minute, I got this pretty girl with me, and, you know, she's hungry, and, you know, we're just going to eat these apples over here. Men, right? Actually, it was, it was all that woman's fault. No, we're not going to go there. But mankind gave away their authority in the garden. But you know what happened when Jesus died and rose again? He took it back. And a lot of Christians today, they're still living on the wrong side of the cross. 
You see, they started in faith with Jesus, but they didn't realize not only are they called to be starters, they're called to be finishers also. Amen? We need to learn how to be finishers in faith. We need to learn the power of the faith and the authority that Jesus came back and gave us when he rose on the, from the cross. When he rose from the dead, he, he took the keys of the kingdom. He trampled all over the enemy. And you know what? The next, the day after Jesus rose from the dead, you can just imagine Satan like, oh, no, I didn't think this through. You know, I didn't think this through. Now he's going to multiply himself in all these people. He didn't think it through. You know, we give the devil a whole lot more credit than his due. Yeah. If he was really that smart, he would never have killed the king of glory. Because now, you see, he's looking at you thinking, oh, my goodness, there's little Jesus. He's everywhere. Look at them. They're everywhere. They're full of the power of God. They're kings and priests. They're seated with him in heavenly places. They've got all power over the things of the earth. That's terrifying for him. You know, when you wake up in the morning, Satan's like, oh, no, they're awake. He's not smart. He's just been around people a long time. He knows how to spot potential when he sees it. And when he looks at you, he sees the potential that God has put on the inside of every one of us. That same Jesus that rose from the dead, that dead-raising power now lives on the inside of every born-again believer today. Who's a believer in here? No, some of you aren't convinced. Who's a believer in here? Yes, this is interactive. You have to put your hand up. Okay, good, wonderful. Because if you're not sure, we can fix that at the end, okay? Here's the thing. You, if you're a believer today, that means you have the power of heaven and earth living on the inside of you. You have, in Ephesians, it says you have dead, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. They're not, not some similar kind of counterfeit. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in the inside of you today. Man, do you think that's enough power to pay your mortgage? Right? Do you think it's enough power to heal your big toe? Right? Do you think it's enough power to, to knit together a broken relationship or a broken marriage? Do you think it's enough power to bring healing to a broken heart? Do you think, what about this? Do you think it's enough power to raise the dead? Yes. So if, if we've got dead raising power on the inside of us, then surely there's enough left for healing. Right? And here's the, here's the thing that people misunderstand. They feel like God is up in heaven deciding who he's going to dish it out to. You know what? He's already done it. He's already dished it out. When Jesus rose from the dead and you received him in your heart, where does Jesus now live? In our hearts. So therefore, if Jesus is the healer, where does healing live? In us. So when we're going to pray for people at the end, where is the healing power coming from? Jesus in us. I know this is really deep, isn't it? Right? But this is why we bow our heads to pray, because we're looking, the Lord is in there. I don't know how it fits in Luke. It says that the, king, the kingdom of God does not come by observation, but it, it, it comes from within us. When I look at five foot of me, I don't know how the kingdom of heaven all fits in there. Right? I'm just compact. I guess it must be real concentrated. Some of us have just enlarged a little bit more, you know? I don't know what that is. I'm not even going to go there. Right? <laughs> But here's the thing, when Hannah was diagnosed and she was sent, just before she was sent home to die, that couple of weeks beforehand, we had started to change our perception of God. We'd come with this understanding that God could be, could heal if he wanted to, but he was kind of picking and choosing. That's a wrong perception. And so when we prayed for Hannah, you know, James says, it's a prayer of faith will save the sick, will heal the sick. 
We were praying for her and seeing no results. Lots of people are praying prayers that aren't prayers of faith. You understand that? Right? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is the evidence of things not seen. And by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Right? If we have, we can, we can see if we're praying prayers of faith because they have evidence associated with them. We might not like that idea, but I didn't make it up. It's in the word. Right? You can argue with the Lord about that. Right? When we pray in a prayer of faith, there will be evidence associated with it. Because when we speak the word of God, life and death are in the power of whose tongue? Our tongue, right? When we speak words of faith, immediately those words of faith go into action. So for a couple of weeks before, um, before we were sent home with Hannah from the hospital to die, we started re- getting, really getting into the word. That's actually when we, we got a little partner tape from and ministry, Andrew Wyman Ministries. Some of you may have heard of them. American minister, actually. Hence, we were in America. And, uh, and for the first time in our lives, we heard that God wants you well. For the first time. We thought God was just sitting up in heaven somehow, you know, with his huge inbox, assessing each application that came in, thinking, well, you know, Johnny has 50 people praying for him, but, you know, Jane has 200 people praying for her. Therefore, she is more worthy to receive healing. Anyone ever thought that? Or is it just me? Like, maybe if we get more people praying somehow, it's going to move the arm of God, and we're going to convince him into doing something miraculous. Now, I'm not understanding that we had completely missed the point. You see, God had already released his power. This is a shocking statement, but Jesus isn't healing people today. Right? The reason for that is he already did his part. You see, when he died on the cross, he paid the price for your sin, did he not? Okay, well, did you know at the same time he also prayed for the price for your healing, for your forgiveness, for your prosperity, for your safety, for your deliverance, for your favor? At the same time, one package, if we don't really believe that, Every time we sin, we should go crucify Jesus again. Should we not? Wouldn't that make more sense? If we don't really believe that Jesus' blood paid for everything we're ever going to need, everything that God's trying to get to us, one time, forever, for always, as it says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says he was the propitiation, his blood was the propitiation for our sin. One time he had to shed his blood. It was, that, it was potent stuff, his blood. One drop was enough. He gave a whole body full of it. Right? He was an overachiever, okay? <laughs> but, he, but here's the thing. Sometimes we don't fully understand everything that his death, burial, and resurrection meant. We don't fully understand it, and so we don't live the life of victory that the Lord has for us. See, Jesus paid for healing. He's done his part, and then he put himself inside of us. His power to, for healing, his power to raise the dead, his power for provision, for everything that we're ever going to need. His very faith lives on the inside of us. Think about that for a moment. We, it says in 1 in first, first Peter, it says, we have like precious faith. Like precious faith is Jesus. That means we have the faith of Jesus. We have Jesus' faith. We don't even have to use our own. Man, isn't this an easy deal or what? right? We have the same faith. We have Jesus' faith on the inside of us. Faith is just the ability to trust God, to believe God, to believe God above the circumstances. It's not this airy-fairy thing. It's very practical. Do we believe God above our circumstances? Or do we believe the doctor's report has a higher value in our life, the bank manager's report has a higher value in our life, then our feelings have a higher value in our life, how we feel about our situation? Or do we put the, the word of God above those situations? Do we put our faith and place it of a higher value or do we place our feelings at a higher value? 
We have a choice, right? That's really all faith is. And so with Hannah, you know, we, we, we started realizing that God, not only was he not up in heaven deciding who was going to get healed and who, who wasn't going to get healed, but that Jesus already done it. Good news. All we had to do was pray a prayer of faith. That meant put the word of God above our circumstances. Easy done, right? Come on now. You try it, right? It's not as easy as you think. Because all the time, the circumstances were speaking to us. You ever had circumstances, circumstances speaking to you? Right? Pain in your body. Does your body speak to you through pain? It hurts. It hurts. Or your husband or your children. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Right? Right? When your stomach starts rumbling, usually around now on a Sunday. Okay? Those, those things will start speaking to us. And if we're not careful, we'll start to put those things ahead of the word of God. And so with Hannah, what we, what we needed to do is we needed to understand that, you know, the doctor's report was one thing. Yes, she had a feeding tube. Yes, all her hair fell out and she looked like a skeleton. Yes, she looked like she was going to die. Yes, you know, doc, the doctor's report told us she just had a few days to live. Everything in the natural was telling us, you need to plan a funeral for your child. Everything in the natural. And I was a nurse, okay? I, had med- I wasn't devoid of medical information. Everything in the natural world is telling me, you need to plan a funeral, there is no hope, no one ever recovers from this, the doctors have told you this is the worst case they've ever seen, there is nothing more that they can do for her, but God, right? And I, and I want to tell you, some of you just need a holy but. Some of you need a holy but. And here's, here's the thing, how many of you have done any kind of grammar when you were at school? English grammar? Come on, you should have all done some, right? With your punctuation and your conjunctions and, you know, all those kind of adjectives. Yes, come see. I know some people have, right? When we put the, the, the word but, B-U-T, not here, as they say in America, okay? Right? The word but is a conjunction, okay? And so when we use the word but, it negates everything that went before it. So you could say something like, I know God loves me, but I don't feel like it. I know God has healed me, but I still feel sick. So what we're doing when we, when we say that, when we put our but in there, is we are negating every part of the sentence that went before the word but. We need to move our but a little bit, okay? And we need to flip that sentence around and, and say, I know my body feels sick, but the Lord has healed me. Amen? I know the bank account's at zero, and it doesn't look like I can do everything that God has called me to do, but he says I have more than enough, that I have the resources of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? I mean, you could go on and on. I, I, I know that I feel worthless, and I, don't, and I feel inadequate, and I don't feel like a woman or a man of faith and power, but God says I have the faith of Christ on the inside of me. Amen? We need to move our butt, some of us. We need to have a holy butt in those situations. Be careful where you put your butt. You know, goats butt. That's what they do. Butt, 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 right? But sheep follow. We need to be sheep, not goats, yeah? We need to have a holy butt and say, I know what the circumstances look like, but God. And so with Hannah, we found out, you know, Jesus has a healing ministry. Did you know that? Jesus has a healing ministry. Fancy that. We read through the New Testament. He's like as addicted to it. Everywhere he goes, he's healing people. More healing, more miracles, more raising from the dead, more healing, more miracles, more raising from the dead. He's like an addict to healing or something. That's all he was doing. Because he says, as you know, I'm only doing what the Father's done. I'm demonstrating, as if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what he was saying. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
And so he goes around, he has a healing ministry, and so we realize, well, hang a second, in our lightning fast mind, maybe in that means that healing must still be alive and kicking. Maybe even though in our church we had sickness services, rather than healing services, it's kind of like bring out your dead, like something weird from Monty Python had just happened. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other sermon. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in, those, in those church services, they didn't really see any manifestations of healing because there was never any expectation. We need to have an expectation of what God has and will and is doing. You know, when we expect to see the word of God operating in our life, you know what happens? Jesus becomes a finisher of our faith. He's, we didn't just start in faith, but we're finishing in faith too. But what, what happens sometimes is we get weary, like it was saying in that scripture, lest you become weary and your hearts give up. Oftentimes we start in faith, but because maybe we don't, things don't pan out as we want to, we start giving up in the area of faith. Maybe we've been sick for a really long time. Maybe the doctor's report is that horrible that it just seems more powerful than Jesus. Now, we might not verbalize it that way, but in our hearts, disappointment can do that to us, right? Well, I've prayed for so-and-so, and you know what? That happened. They died. That means the word of God doesn't work. No, it doesn't. You know, this is, this is a revelation. The word of God is not changed by our circumstances. You know that? It's not moved. God is not going to change his mind about his promises just because sometimes we struggle to receive them. His, his, his will for us, his promises to us are always no and maybe. No, they're yes and amen. You know, it says in the scripture, if we ask things according to his will, we shall have them. Healing is God's will. Right? Always. Not yes, no, maybe I'm in a bad mood if my inbox is full or if you don't have enough people praying for you, you know, then maybe I'll get to you. Give, call me later. God doesn't do that. You know, when I was a little girl, it used to, it used to drive me crazy. Sorry, my mum and dad are here. But, you know, and I've done this with my kids too. But sometimes, you, are, you know, parents ask children something and they'll say, they don't really want to make a decision. They want to commit themselves. So they'll say, maybe. We'll see. Maybe later. Right? Did your parents do that when you were kids? Is it frustrating or what? Right? But God is not like that. God is not holding back on us. His his answers, his promises are always what? Yes and amen. His will for us is always what? Yes and amen. He's always good and he's always yes. So when 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 we're talking about healing particularly, we can come with boldness to the throne Because we're not even asking God to do something he hasn't already done. We're coming to take back what the devil stole. You understand? We can come into the throne room, just like like Flick was saying, as as a princess, as a king, as a priest, saying and acting with like all royal. Like, yeah, I belong here. Yeah, I'm coming back to get my treasures. Thank you very much. I'm going to take that. Right? That's mine. Because we are children and we know who we are in Christ. We have an identity. And so with Hannah, when we started to understand these things, man, we started to get super, super excited. We started to get so excited because we knew that even though the doctors had sent her home to die, we said, we're going to go to this meeting and we're going to get what we came for. We're going to go take back what the devil stole from us. Amen? And I know that some of you are here today and the devil has been stealing from you for way too long. How many of you, the devil has been stealing from you? He's been stealing from your health. He's been stealing from your finances. He's been stealing from your relationships, right? And and there is a temptation in your heart maybe 
to grow weary, to thinking, well, you know, we'll just give it a go. You know, faith is bold. You know, faith has a major attitude. Do you see Jesus wandering around, being all meek and mild? No, man, he was, he was outright offensive to some people. In Matthew, it says, the violent take it by force. Take what? They take back everything that the enemy has stolen. They operate in faith. is not meek and mild and polite. Faith says, I'm going to get back what the devil has stolen from me, and I'm not leaving without it. It's not very English, is it? Right? We are polite. We know how to cue. Right? But when it comes to taking back what the devil stole, we need to have an attitude of faith about us that is bold. We're not coming asking God, oh, please, if it be thy will, Lord, because that sounds, somehow sounds holy when you add if it be thy will on the end of something. We know what God's will is regarding the situation because Jesus had a healing ministry when he met the lepers. Do you remember when he met the leper? And he said, Lord, if you're willing, be cleansed. And what did Jesus say? I'm willing. You know why he hasn't changed his mind? Because his promises are always yes and amen. He didn't say maybe if you've been good enough, if you've earned it, if you've called the prayer chain. Right? If you've paid your tithes, read your Bible, and attended every church Sunday school there is, then you can receive from me. God is not a performance God. He is passionately, madly, wildly in love with us. And not only did he want you to start out in faith, he wants to be the finisher of your faith also. But you know what? We cannot let expect somebody else to stop our hearts from growing weary. That's our job. Right? So how do we stop our hearts from growing weary. Well, look at this. I'm actually going to read this, the next, the next passage here, and then we'll wrap this up here. Trying to jump between my... my passages here. But it says, for considering him, verse 3, we'll just read it here. It says, for considering him, but consider, or in the Amplified, it says, just think of him who, who endured, but can reckon up and consider it all in comparison to your, to your trials. In other words, considering the cross greater than our loss. Do you understand that? We put the cross of Christ, the atonement of what Jesus has done, and we place that report of more higher value than what we're experiencing. And when we start to do that, when we start to put our but God in the situation, what we're doing is we're saying, you know, all of these things, these are facts. These circumstances, these are facts. I might have sickness in my body right now. I'm not going to deny it. Faith is not denying a reality. It's just saying, I'm not going to allow this only reality to trump faith. It's not denial. Faith is not denial. It's not saying, oh, I don't really have cancer when clearly the results show that you have cancer present in your body. Faith says, there might be cancer in my body, but you know what? I know someone greater than that cancer. That's a different kind of reality right there. So when we, with, with Hannah, what happened was we started to get excited about the word of God in our life. We realized that Jesus had a healing ministry. We, without realizing it, we started to, to put the word of God of a greater value in our hearts and in our minds and above our circumstances. We started thinking, well, if the word of God is true, and this is the prayer of faith will save the sick. Man, we're going to start, we're going to start praying differently. We're going to start praying with expectancy. We're going to start praying, not weak, pitiful prayers of, oh, Lord, please come and heal Hannah. But we're going to start speaking to that sickness and taking our God-given authority over that sickness in Jesus' name. And you know what happened? Hannah received her healing. We went to this conference. 
And uh, we know we, sometimes you need a coach. Sometimes you need somebody to help you. And we met, we met with Andrew and he prayed for Hannah and absolutely nothing happened when he prayed. I know. It was, it was underwhelming. Nothing happened on the outside, that is. Nothing happened on the outside. You see, he spoke the word of God. And you know where the word of God starts to work? Inside, where we can't see it yet. Inside where we can't see it yet. A lot of people quit believing God because they think, well, I've spoken the word of God and nothing's happened. How do you know nothing's happened? It's working where you can't see it yet. Just like when Jesus spoke to the fig tree in Mark chapter 11, the word of God immediately went to work on the inside of that fig tree. And the fig tree withered up from the roots. So it wasn't like the fig tree just decided to, you know, start withering up and, and, and took its little bit of time over it or whatever. The word of God went to work immediately, immediately on the inside where they couldn't see it yet. And there was a period of about 24 hours before they saw that fig tree, the effects of that word on the outside. Oftentimes I meet people that, you know, will pray for them and their face kind of glazes over like, oh, I really wanted it to be now. Oh, my goodness. Listen, we've just planted a seed of faith on the inside of you and you come along with a big shovel of unbelief and started digging it up. The word of God works on the inside of you immediately. You know, healing's a gift, right? What do we do when we receive a gift? What do you normally do if you've got manners? You say, thank you. Is it difficult? I mean, just a simple word, thank you, right? You didn't have to like lay an egg over it or something, right? You get so many constipated Christians, right? Look like they've been baptized in pickle juice, okay? Seriously, man, if we've got the joy of the Lord, we should shot in our face, right? <laughs> but, you know, the word of God immediately goes to work on the inside of us. Now, sometimes there is a period of time before we see the effects of that word of God, that seed of faith that we've sown on the outside of us. But every time that word is working. So when, when we prayed for Hannah, immediately that word of God went to work on the inside of her because we prayed a prayer of faith. Not having and a wishing and a hoping that one day something might be different, but we took authority over that sickness and disease in Jesus' name, and immediately that word went to work on the inside of her. We couldn't see any change. She was still, you know, she still looked like she was a skeleton. She still looked like she was in a vegetative state. Nothing changed on the outside whatsoever. But, you know, we had to take it by faith. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. And so what we did, we figured, we're pretty simple people. We just figured, well, if we've spoken the word of God, and the word of God always works because faith has evidence associated to it, we're not going to dig that up just because we can't see it in the flesh yet. Right? We have to take it by faith. The faith uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so it was lunchtime and we were hungry. And it wasn't very spiritual, I know. But we figured, well, she's either healed or she's not healed. Right? You can't be a little bit saved, can you? If you received healing the same time you received salvation, can you be part saved? No. It's all healing and salvation came in the same package, yes? So when you received salvation, what else did you receive? Healing. So can you be a little bit healed? No. I know, some of you are going, healed, right? I don't have time to explain it all, but you need to get some teachings. I'll give these away in a minute. Okay, but here's, here's the thing. So we, we prayed for Hannah. We, we just figured, well, it... it, it if we prayed the prayer of faith, one plus one is two. We can't, when we speak the word of God, there is only one result. It's working. The word of God is working in Hannah's body. That means whether or not we're seeing the healing power of God operate in her body yet, whether or not we're seeing any change on the outside yet or not, we know she's healed. We're not waiting for the manifestation. We're not waiting for it to happen out there in a stratosphere for an angel or a bolt of lightning or some fairy dust or something to come down and do something. We know she's healed because... The word of God says she's healed. That's it. You pray a prayer of faith for the sick, and they shall recover. 
we were in the they shall recover phase of that. Amen? So we moved our butt. <laughs> the circumstances hadn't changed, but God is more powerful than the circumstances. Yeah. We just moved our butt. That's what happened. We had a holy butt. And so it was hungry. We were hungry. It was lunchtime. So we just took Hannah and we figured, well, we're going to feed her. This is a child that's never eaten food in her life. She couldn't chew. She couldn't swallow. She had a feeding tube inserted into her stomach. So we took her to KFC because apparently she couldn't, we couldn't find her McDonald's. We asked her, this is the power of, of advertising. We asked her, it's the first meal she's ever eaten. What would you like to eat? And she said, I want McDonald's. I want chips and ketchup. I'm like, how can you know about Happy Meals when, I mean, those things, they'll kill a healthy person. Anyway. So we, we, we were in Warsaw, England. We, we'd never been there before. We couldn't find a McDonald's, so we ended up in a KFC, which isn't really any healthier for you, by the way. But we just figured either she's healed or she's not healed, so we, we ordered as much food as we could because she'd never tried anything, right? So she wanted to try everything. What do you want? Oh, I'll have everything. Okay, that's just going to be interesting. So we all sat there. There's the five of us, um, my husband and I and I, three children. My son Zachary's around somewhere. And, uh, and so we sat there around a table, and it, we must have looked like the really like the Adams family or something, because none of us are eating. We're just watching Hannah eating. Like this is a strange family. They all take it in turns to eat, and everyone else watches. Strange phenomenon these English people. So um, so she's there. She's eating fried chicken, and she's chewing, and she's swallowing. Like oh, that worked. Try a yogurt. Try a brown. Have an ice cream. Have some have some coke. Have some fries. You know we were just excited. We were watching for the first time our daughter chew and swallow and eat things. We'd taken the feeding tube out. And, uh, and you know what? Then she started to choke. And what most people would do is they think, oh, see, didn't stick, did it? Right? Too good to be true, isn't it? Didn't stick, right? Anyone else thought that? They've had, maybe had somebody pray for you and your headache's gone and then later on the headache's come back. The pain. Come on, be honest, right? Right? So that's happened. So it happens, right? And then what do we do? We go take in, you know, paracetamol or something, you know, whatever we need to do to fix it. You know, the word of God is working in your body. It doesn't just quit unless you stop believing it, right? Because Jesus needs to be the finisher of our faith, not just the author of our faith. And so what happened in that moment, she started choking. We were really tempted to think, oh, well, that would have been really nice. You know, we were healed for a moment. You know, it looked good. For, it, looked good it started out well, but, you know, just... Well, under, and people, people would have been, well, under the circumstances. Don't get your hopes up. Why not? I mean, for, for goodness sake, you know, Jesus is the hope of glory, isn't he? Yeah. Right? On the inside. Why shouldn't we hope in Jesus? If we're going to put hope in something, shouldn't it not be the savior of the world? Yeah. Right? We put hope in our doctors, and that's fine. You know, God has many different ways to heal people. But I believe his best is for people to receive healing first time every time. Amen? No side effects. No surgery. Now, you can have, according to your faith, whichever type of healing you want. But today, we're talking about supernatural healing. Because I believe that God wants to heal you supernaturally, in an instant. Amen? And so we, we knew enough to know that we had authority. And if the, if the word worked before she was healed, it's going to work after she's healed. And so rather than let fear creep in, because, again, the circumstances were talking to us, we stood in faith in, with the finisher of our faith with Jesus and says, you know what, these circumstances, you too shall come to pass. Amen? These circumstances may have risen up in judgment against us, but, you know, we, we're going to call you null and void. We're going to take our authority over you, and you're going to have to leave the same way that you did before. The same way that you did before. And so we spoke to those, those, those symptoms, 
and they left. And you know, she was three years old then, and she had, she's 15 today. The girl was not bad for a girl that was sent home to die, right? But she never had another Simpson since. She's never stopped eating since. You can testify to that, right? She, she comes in. I come in with groceries, and the kids go through like locusts. Gone, right? I even go to Costco, those big box stores, and gone, right? Kids have the ability to eat like and never believe. But, but, you know, we had to stand in faith. There are many people that start in faith and don't finish in faith because they become weary, right? They, maybe, they, maybe someone's prayed for you before, and maybe you've seen some kind of movement, some kind of success, but, you know, the symptoms came back. Or maybe you hope deferred make the heart sick, and you've become disappointed. You've tried that hope thing before. You, maybe you feel like you've tried that faith thing before, and it didn't work, and so-and-so died. And, you know, or maybe just the circumstances have been speaking to you. Maybe just the circumstances, the pain in your body is more real to you than the Word of God is. You know, whatever situation you've come into today, Jesus can be the finisher of your faith. You know, sometimes we just make healing too complicated. Amen? And I know that there are people in here that are ready to receive. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real quick, but I'm going to pray for everyone because I still believe that there are people that have come today and they've come specifically because you've come expecting. You've come expecting to receive something. And, you know, just like receiving from salvation, how many of you really struggled to receive salvation? Was it really difficult? Did anyone put a gun to your head, maybe, try and convince you into it? No. What, did you, what do you say to receive salvation? I believe. I believe. That's it. We don't need to over... And I have a lot of people that come to me and they try to make healing too complicated. But really, it's just these things that we've talked about. We have let the world become more real to us than the Word of God is. But the minute we change our minds, and it starts here, you know, it can start in a heartbeat, Right? The minute we decide to place the word of God of higher value than our circumstances, we'll start to speak the word of God. When we're squeezed, out comes the word of God, right? And so it's not difficult. It's not going to be any more difficult for you to receive healing today than it was for you to receive salvation. It doesn't matter where you were last night. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you've read the word of God, how long it's been since you've, since you've prayed, whether you pray in tongues. You know what? Even unbelievers get saved. Even unbelievers get healed. You know Jesus had a healing ministry and all the people he prayed for weren't saved yet. Right? Because the bar from receiving from God is not as difficult as we think. So all I'm asking you to do is have an open mind so that when I'm going to get you to stand up and we're going to pray for each other in a minute, okay, is to have an open mind because if God really is all-powerful, he lives on the inside of you. Amen? You have dead-raising power on the inside of you and it's not going to be difficult to receive. So there are so many things I've talked about today that, you, that I just can't get through everything, okay? In fact, these were my notes. Yeah, we didn't even read those, okay? So <laughs> it was a great message, but this one was better. This one was for you. So that, that's fine. But um, this is Hilden Hole. This is 15 lessons, video and audio. And if you, if you want to go through a course on maybe um, receiving healing for yourself or learning how to minister healing to other people, then Hilden Hole is for you. So we're not, it's not just talking about physical healing. This talks about emotional healing, overcoming addictions, all kinds. Can you help me? All kinds of things are on here. So who would like this? You've got to look enthusiastic, right? Okay. Right. Go give that to someone. This is my son. You can, you can see he outgrew me. Right. Um, this one is called Practical Ministry Training. This is a CD set. So we use this specifically for students in the Bible college. But this is, a, this is, a, a nine, this is nine parts. It has um, a syllabus with it as well. 
And it, it covers things like how to tell your testimony with power, how to share the gospel, how to lead somebody in salvation, how to lead them in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, how to minister a healing to the sick, and how to hear the voice of God and operate in spiritual gifts. So uh, this one's called Practical Ministry Training. It's very practical. It's full of fun as well. So I'm going to give that to someone. If you want it, you're going to have to look alive. Like, you stop being so English, right? Come on, the violent take it by force, right? Amen. Um, and this is called Miracles Made Easy. It's a piece of cake for Jesus. Man, I love that phrase. It's a piece of cake. They don't say that in America. Healing's not difficult. It's a piece of cake. Easy peasy, right? It wasn't difficult then, and it isn't difficult now. We overcomplicate things. This has got my testimony about being healed from epilepsy in here. I used to have grand mal seizures, several of them a day. And God uh, miraculously healed me, and that walks you through that. It also has Hannah's, my daughter's healing testimony in there that I talked a bit about today. And it's got lots of stories in here. Well, not stories because they're all real. But um, these are all um, incidences where we prayed for people and we saw miraculous things. How many of you might have read this already? Anyone read this already? Was it good? Can you recommend it? Okay, there you go. So um, that's in there as well. And my husband says, <laughs> my husband says, that's the best book she's ever written because it is the only book I've ever written, okay? All right, Iman. So we want to pray for people, and I'm sorry your lunch is probably getting on there, okay? So this is what I find works really well. There is one of me, and there is a lot of you, you may have noticed. Now, by your own admission at the beginning of my message, you admitted that the healer lived on the inside of you. Does anyone want to exclude themselves from that now? Okay, that's still your confession, right? The healing power of God lives on the inside of you. There is nothing special about me in Zach, and my parents can testify to that, okay? Just normal, no, very ordinary person, okay? Not some super-duper, especially strong anointing here, okay? Just regular Joe Blow Christian right here, okay? Nothing different about me than it's different about you. Amen? I'm okay if you say Amen. All right, I'm not going to be insulted in any way that you think I'm ordinary. Because you know what? God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Does he not? Yeah. Amen. That's why he picked 12 disciples. They weren't the brightest sparks in the box. They weren't the sharpest tools, right? They were definitely a sandwich of a picnic most of the time, okay? And God built his church upon them. They saw the dead raised. They saw blind eyes open. They saw the, they saw the lame walk in their hands. Amen all because the power of God lived on the inside of them. That is the very same power that Jesus has given us today. So here's the thing. I want you to stand up if you need to receive healing. Only if you're ready to receive healing today, okay? If you're ready, if you're ready and expecting to take back what the devil has been stealing from you, I want you to stand up. Okay, wonderful. Everyone, perfect. Now, if you're sitting down, this is how this is going to work. I know, this is scary. This is like interactive church. Come on, this is what believers do. It says they lay hands on the sick and they what, die? No, they shall recover, okay? So we're going to do what Jesus told us to do. Go and lay hands on the sick and then what? They're going to recover because the healing power of God lives on the inside of you. You are locked and loaded. You are as anointed now as you are ever going to be. You are full of the power of the kingdom of heaven on the inside of you. So if you're sitting down, I want you to rub your hands together for me. All right? This doesn't do anything supernaturally. It just makes you feel better. Okay? 
And if you've got cold hands, it warms you up a little bit, okay? So you feel the friction, you want to feel a tingling or something, you can just rub real hard. If that helps you to get in the mood, all right? But here's the thing, you are ready to lay hands on the sick. So I, I want you to, I'm going to pray, but I want you to be the, the hands. Can you do that? Yeah. All right? So it doesn't, children can join in this, in this too. I've had children pray, um, lay hands on blind people before, people before and see blind eyes open, okay? It doesn't matter how old they are. In fact, that usually works really well because they don't have the unbelief that adults have, just being honest. I want you to move. Oh, yeah, you want the kids to join in? Perfect. Bring, bring them on down, okay? We'll get the kids joining in this. You know, kids are fabulous prayer ministers. They really are because, you know, you just tell them that Jesus is a superhero and he has superpowers and he now lives on the inside of them and that means they're like superheroes without the cape, right? And then you go like, you go and put hands on people. The one thing I do find with children, though, you have to tell them, do it gently. Otherwise, like, right? You mean I can slap my brother? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> like the two-fingered approach. Just two fingers, just gently on them, right? But, you know, they don't have, they don't have the, the natural unbelief sometimes that, that adults have. They have a simple, pure faith that says, well, if you've told me I can do it, I can do it. Man, we can all be that, right? So we overcomplicate healing. We make this way more complicated than it needs to be. So in a moment when the kids are in, I'm going to have you all move, and you're going to lay hands on somebody that is standing up. Now, here's my caveat to this. Don't touch what you don't have. It, guys, this is important. Right? Don't touch. We're not going to have the two-handed laying on. That's not good, right? Especially with ladies. That doesn't, usually you get this, the slap of fellowship when you do that, okay? So a hand on the shoulder is helpful, you know, a hand on the, where, where, wherever they feel comfortable, okay? And be gentle. But we're going to see the power of God. Okay, come on down, kids. Come on down. We need some prayer ministers. Come on down, right? If you can find some, I need you to find somebody that's standing up and lay a hand very gently on them. Very gently. Quick, 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 quick. Come on, come on down. Come on down. Perfect. You got, you got your person. Has everyone got a person? All right. Some of you also, adults, you're going to have to move. The kid, there's, there's not enough children for these people. All right. Everyone that's standing up needs to have somebody laying a hand on them. Okay? Somebody needs to, you need to move, lay a hand. If you need to lay hands on, feet on, you've got more than one person, that's fine. You can do that too. Is there anyone that wants prayer that doesn't have somebody laying their hands on, put your hand up so we can see where you are. Guy over there, somebody lay hands on him. This lady over here. There's some people, look, go long. On the back 40 over there. There's some people over there. Go on, there we go. Mum and dad are on the move. Wonderful. There we go. Fabulous. Everyone should have, so who's sick should have somebody. Now, there's nothing magical about this. What we're going to do is we're going to release the power of God and as I'm praying, the power of God is going to flow from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. It's going to touch every cell in your body. It's going to touch every muscle in your body. It's going to touch every nerve, every bone, every cell, the power of God. Some of you will feel something. Some of you will feel the power of God moving from the top of your head. It will move through your body. Some of you will feel absolutely nothing, and both of those are perfectly normal reactions. But nevertheless, the power of God is about to be released. Are we ready? No, church. Are we ready? Yeah. All right. So, Father God, we release your power right now in these individuals. If you have a prayer language, use it. We release the healing power of God flowing through our hands right now in Jesus' name from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. 
We release the power of God, the healing power of God right now, releasing bones, releasing joints, releasing muscles, releasing nerves in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are flowing, that your power, that your healing power is flowing.